0: Well, brothers, we have finally figured out a way to get Amen started back up again after being gone for three weeks, and I am I'm glad we're getting to do this. I would confess to you today, though, that I'm coming to you very saddened about the loss of our brother, Tim. And I know many of you feel that same sadness. Um, he was a pastor to many of us and certainly someone that we were familiar with in amen because he taught several times i uh i would also have to confess to you that i was tempted to just maybe change our passage for amen this week based on on the passing away of tim or maybe just cancel and push it back another week Uh, but i in my prayers and thoughts about that i thought well what would tim want what would tim want us to do and I thought you know what Tim would, would say say Todd what, what's the next chapter in Genesis I think that's what you should do whatever the next chapter is now just to be clear uh, Tim's not looking down on us and wondering what we're going to do no Tim right now is far too preoccupied with joys and pleasures unimaginable as he is in the presence of his savior uh, he also knows that we're going to be with him in the presence of our Savior in a little while. And so he's not concerned with us. So while we're waiting in this little while to eventually be with our Savior, let's drink deeply from God's word. And let's do so by just taking the next chapter. We're studying verse by verse through Genesis. Let's keep doing that, brothers. So I invite you now to turn to Genesis chapter 27, and we'll begin reading Uh, at verse 1, and we'll read through verse 40, a familiar story to us, but maybe something new for us to learn as we look at these words, uh, this uh, God's word. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, and he answered, here I am. And he said, behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, go out to the field and hunt game for me and prepare for me delicious food such as I love and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me uh, delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two young goats so that I may prepare from uh, from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall, I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go, bring them to me. So he went, and he took them, and he brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son, and the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread, which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went into his father and said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? Jacob answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Or the fatness and of the fatness of the earth and of the plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. And as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob had scarcely gone from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? Esau answered, I am your son, your firstborn son, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently. And he said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it. Before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with exceedingly great and bitter cry, and said to his father, "Bless me, even also me, O my father." But Isaac said, "Your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing." Esau said, "It is not right. Is, it, is he not rightly named Jacob?" For he has cheated me these two times. He has took away my birthright and behold, now he has taken away from me my blessing. Then he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac said, Isaac answered and said to Esau, behold, I have made him Lord over you and all his brothers I have given to him for servants and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What can then I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, have you but one blessing, father? Bless me, even also me, O oh my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered him and said, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall be your dwelling, and away from the dew of the heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break the yoke for his yoke from your neck. Brothers, this is the word of the Lord thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we would ask that you would open up this word to us by the power of your spirit. Father, even as we're scattered throughout this city and uh, sitting in our offices or sitting in our living rooms or at our kitchen tables, uh, Lord, uh, you see us. You're with us. Uh, Speak to us. Teach us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want us to, to make sure we have a little bit of the context here so that it, we can go quickly through the things that I think the Lord wants to teach us through this passage. Uh, you'll notice in your notes that I have titled this, uh, No Heroes, Only Sinners. And that wasn't meant to discourage us, but rather to, to say, you know what, we, we, we're in a situation here in this passage where we're looking at something where no one seems to be doing the right thing. Uh, every single one of them seems to be a, a despicable character uh, in this story, and I think that reveals to us some things that are that are helpful. I think, first of all, it uh, it reveals to us that the Bible is a book that is going to be honest, and it's a book that we can trust. And many people want to say, "Well, these are just stories; um, these things didn't really happen." We can't really trust the authenticity of the Old Testament or certain parts of the Bible or Genesis. Um, when you look at a story like this, I think it speaks to the authenticity of it. Because if you were trying to to tell a story uh, to, to, to kind of bolster the religion of Judaism or Christianity, if you were, if you were faking it to try to make someone believe, you wouldn't put in a story like this where all four four characters, two of them, patriarchs, Isaac and Jacob are such despicable characters. Instead, wouldn't you make them look like heroes? But they aren't heroes, they're just sinners. I also think it points out for us uh, our need, our personal need to be honest and to repent. And we're gonna see ourselves in this text. It's gonna expose to us again, our need of a savior. And it's even going to expose to us or show us again the provision of that Savior. So you'll see in your notes there, there are four things that really describe the four characters that are here. Um, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, and Esau. Uh, Let's start, let's start with Isaac. Here in verses one through four, I think we see a scheming against God. I, I know, I know Isaac might want to say, well, no, I was trying to scheme around God. But if you have to be honest about it, if you're going to be honest about it, you'd have to say he, he really kind of schemed against God. Uh, certainly all four characters, Isaac, Rebekah, Jacob, and Esau, knew of God's word spoken in Genesis 25 regarding Jacob and Esau before they were born. Remember that? We studied that several weeks ago, that the, young, the older would serve the younger. That God in his plan, his redemptive plan was going to to change the way the blessing came down. And it wasn't going to be through Esau. It was going to be through Jacob. And God had already said that. It seems that Rebecca had latched on to that and she loved Jacob. But Isaac, he really liked his his hunter, his burly, his, his athletic son, his firstborn son. And it seems that he was resisting that. It's also interesting to think that that probably all four of the characters in this story, they they knew of the promise to Abraham in Genesis 15, so that they knew that this blessing was more than just a matter of who was going to be the next leader of the family. But this was a blessing from God. This was a a lineage that carried with it uh, significant blessings for generations and and to the whole, whole earth, as it says in Genesis 15. And you have to wonder, too, that possibly... All four of them, that certainly Esau and Jacob, but Rebekah and Isaac, too, knew of that whole birthright incident that took place between Jacob and Esau. So it's in that context that you see Isaac deciding, I got to make my own plan because I know what I want to happen. I want, I want Esau to be the one who is blessed. I want Esau to be the one who is promised. And so he makes a plan. And it seems that the plan he's making is really in the face of God, um, that he's doing it in the face of God's word. And he's trying to go around what God has said and try to create something else. Isaac isn't quite near death. He's actually going to live a little bit while longer. And that speaks to the fact, too, that maybe he was scheming here to get something done that he didn't know if he'd get done later. But it's clear that he's struggling physically, that his eyesight's poor, his senses are poor in this story. He uses, seems like, all of his senses to try to figure out uh, who Jacob is, if he really is Esau. And you'll notice, too, that the blessing that he gives, he actually uses the Lord in his blessing, and he's trying to invoke the Lord's blessing on Esau. So his scheming really is to just Go against what God had said. And brothers, we do that. We find ourselves doing that. And oftentimes we would probably want to say, well, I'm not going against God. We would say things like, I'm just, you know, we might not say it. but We think, oh, I was just trying to take a shortcut. You know, I was just trying to cut a little corner. here. it wasn't really going in the face of God. It was just cutting a corner. Or I was just trying to sidestep. You know, um, that's what I did. I, I, sh- I didn't stay on the path. I was just, and I should, I know I should have stayed on the path. Or we pretend we don't know. We pretend we hadn't really heard the word or we don't remember or we're not exactly sure what it means. And all of those things are ways in which we are tempted to scheme against God, just like Isaac. There's a danger in that. Um, there's significant dangers in that. And it's sin for us to scheme against God. Well, then you have Rebecca. Rebecca seems to be trying to help God along. Um, she knows God's word. She, she knows. And, and, and yet she hears probably, you know, because the tent walls are <laughs> not blocking sound. She hears this plan that, uh, that, that Isaac shares with Esau. And she thinks to herself, listen, that's not what's supposed to happen. No, no, Esau's not supposed to be blessed. Jacob is, that's God's plan. That's what God intends to do. But this, what what Isaac's doing, that's going to thwart God's plan. You know what she does? She she doesn't trust that God can handle that. And she doesn't wait on God. She doesn't trust. And she doesn't wait on God to act. Instead, she begins to act. And so she develops this elaborate plan, this 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 uh, this idea to get around or to help along God's will. She wants God's will. She's thinking probably I'm doing God's will. And she's probably thinking, well, you know, these ends justify the means. I mean, the blessing is supposed to go to Jacob. And so I'm just trying to do God's will. I'm just trying to, you know, Isaac's going against God's will. I'm just trying to help it along and I'm just trying to, you know, make sure the right thing is done. And she goes about it in a terrible way. And maybe she just thinks, but, you know, uh, my, my motives are right. You ever find yourself wanting to do that? You ever find yourself wanting to, to help God along? I would confess to you brothers that, um, and I've told you this before, I, I find myself in that place sometimes. Um, I find myself in the place of, of not wanting to wait on the Lord to want to, I want to make a plan. I want to, uh, I've got some ideas of how this can be done. And uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to you know, be resourceful and try to, I mean, I want the right thing. My motives are right. Maybe my corners are being cut a little bit. Um, the Lord keeps reminding me though, over and over again, that I need to, that I need to wait on him. Uh, in fact, this, this, past i do this every year but this past december i i selected again like i've done for really two decades now some year verses and i've asked the lord hey father please um speak into my life or this next year help me learn these verses and the verses i chose were uh, psalm 33 verses 20 and 22 and the opening line of those verses says our soul waits for the lord I've been reminded, even in these times when there's a lot of fear and a lot of worry, um, Todd, wait on me. Trust me. Don't help me along. Don't run ahead of me. Well, and then we come in verses 18 through 29 to uh, to Jacob, and we see Jacob really using God in his deception. I mean, it's it's um, it's really despicable what Jacob does because uh, he doesn't just deceive. He actually brings God into it. He actually uses God to help create the deception here. And Jacob, as we've seen already, and we'll see, he always seems to be out for himself. And he's willing to do anything to get it done, even in this moment, bringing God into it. And some of you may have caught that, well, wait a second, Todd, isn't it kind of, don't you see in verses 11 and 13 through 13 that that Jacob doesn't want to do this, but he's kind of forced to. He's a mama's boy and his mom's making him. You know, he resists to doing this. Uh, maybe that's it. Uh, but it seems to me that this is more about Jacob thinking, I don't know if this is a good plan. If I get caught, I'm going to be in trouble. But once his mom tells him, no, if if, I, if you get caught, it'll be on me. Instead of Jacob saying, no, no, don't do that, mom. Instead, he says, okay. And he goes ahead. In other words, he just needs someone else to be the scapegoat. He's all about himself. And, and he's willing even to use God in this. Because we see here that... Certainly, he lies about the food and who he is, and he lies several times to confirm his identity, and he's being deceptive in the way he behaves. But notice what happens in verse 20. In verse 20, it says, but Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found this game so quickly, my son? How did you, you hunt so fast and fix it so quickly? And it says that Jacob answered this way, because the Lord your God granted me success. Wow, as a low moment, bringing God into your lie, making God uh, an accomplice, so to speak, of your lie. Somehow that's gonna affirm uh, a truth or, or, or bring it to be truth, even though he knows he is bold face lying. And again, we do this too. I think, I mean, it's funny, but it's not funny. But the example I thought of right away was an example of from uh, from sorry my my computer just blacked out there for a second thought I'd lost you guys um, first example I thought of was just when I had some some buddies of mine when we were in college and they're Christian guys are dating Christian girls and they have to break up with this girl because they just don't like them or because it's getting too physical uh, you know uh, reasons that were legit that they probably should just break up with the girl but in their cowardice <laughs> They said something like this to the girl. Hey, I, I just I don't think it's God's will that we be dating and I just want to follow God's will. And that's just terrible <laughs> that it's it, it may be God's will, but uh, it mostly was these guys own decision or their own sinfulness or their own temptation. And they needed to be honest about it and said they kind of threw it on God. Well, you know, girls, don't be mad at me. Be mad at God. He's, it's just not his will. Um, And maybe, maybe Jacob justified his behavior in his own head because he thought to himself, well, I'm working out God's will. It's like my mom, I'm helping God along. And so, yeah, this is not quite right, but and I'll tell you, it's not quite right uh, to bring God into the deception, to use God for our own purposes um, is sinful, is dangerous. And then lastly, we come to our fourth despicable character, which is Esau. And in verses 30 through 40, we just see someone having no need for God. I mean, that's the way Esau has been the whole time. He's crass. He's hedonistic. He's just this, this hunter, good old boy who just is out for a good time. And we saw that uh, several weeks ago when we looked at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 15 to 17, when it speaks about Jacob, Excuse me, Esau, and it says, Uh, don't be like Esau. Don't be like this sexually immoral person. And you can see him. He's just, again, he's just out for pleasure. And even at the end of chapter 26, you see him marrying these two Hittite women and and bringing trouble into his family. And he doesn't care. He just wants what he wants. And he's going to laugh about it. He's going to be having a good time. And he's not thinking about God. In fact, in in. His response to his father, though he's upset, he never brings God into it. He never brings God into it. Not only that, he doesn't. He doesn't even really repent. So the repentance that it talks about in Hebrews twelve, and verses fifteen through seventeen, when you look at it in in uh, chapter twenty seven of Genesis, what you're seeing is that he's just pleading to get something for himself. He's upset. But he's not upset because he needs to repent against God. He's not upset because he's thinking, you know, how can I return to God? Boy, I, I've been living just this terrible life. No, he's just upset because what he wanted, he's not going to get it. And, and it's, it's been taken away from him. He might have been even thinking, hey, I'm not doing anything wrong. I haven't done anything wrong. And yet, look at what happened to me. The reality is, is his whole life is wrong because he's never turned to God. He's never relied on God. Well, that feels overwhelming, doesn't it? We just spent all this time uh, looking at these four despicable characters. Again, no heroes, only sinners. And seeing ourselves in this. Where, Where is God's provision? Where is this savior that we need? Well, as we close our time, I want you to look at one verse. I want you to look at verse 33. I want you to look at the response that Isaac has when he realizes That his scheming uh, has not thwarted God. In fact, God is there. God is going to do what God intends to do. Notice what it says. It says, then Isaac trembled very violently. And he said, who was it that I blessed? And he knows. He knows what he thought was. That it was Jacob. Remember he said it was, seems like Jacob's voice, but Esau's body he suspected and now he knows I've blessed Jacob and that's what God has intended and God I think he I think honestly Jacob had a sense of repentance in that moment I think he knew I've blown it I haven't followed God I haven't waited on God I haven't trusted God and so the blessing that I gave Jacob that's actually God made it happen and God intended it for Jacob and I was trying to go around him. And Isaac realizes he can't thwart God's plan. And there's the provision of God in this. There's, there's the fact that God's plan of grace cannot be stopped. Despite the four intentional sinners crafting, scheming, helping, lying, using God in it. God's plan of redemption is not stopped. His intention to bring the blessing through Jacob, to eventually bring the Savior through the line of Jacob, it's not stopped. Um, nothing that these, these four have done uh, can stop God's plan of grace moving forward. The Bible tells us that we can't stop that either. The Bible tells us that when we are faithless, He, God, is always faithful brothers, there's a a lot of uncertainty right now. I know we're struggling with fears, fears about health, fears about provision, fears about jobs, fears about finances, fears about family, Um, a lot of worry, a lot of wondering what tomorrow is going to be like, what's going to be like in a month or two. We don't have answers. We're used to having answers. We don't have them. And I know in times like this, the temptation can be to run ahead of God, the temptation can be even with good motives to cut corners, to do things that wouldn't be in obedience to God, that wouldn't be listening to Him, trusting Him. But I encourage us to understand what Jake, uh, what Isaac understood in that moment. I want us to understand it ahead of time, to believe it. We need to trust God. We can trust God in these times. We can trust Him, and. We need to wait on him. So brothers, let's do that today. Let's trust and let's wait. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for this time in your word. Thank you for teaching us again. Thank you for the legacy of our brother, Tim, and his deep love for your word. Father, may we carry on that legacy as long as we have breath in our lungs, regardless of our outward circumstances, regardless of what's happening in this world, Let us be men who are faithful to study your word, verse by verse, and just taking the next chapter. And Father, may we do it. May we go out and live it. May we be those who trust you and wait upon you, because we know that your plan of grace cannot be stopped. Lord, we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Good to be with you, brothers, and I will see you next week.